All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 214 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Botano 19 plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now at Botano. And had you bet on the Panthers and the Kraken in round one, you'd be looking pretty good today. Uh, Frank Saravalli joins me. And uh, Frank, the, uh, the first round, the Road Warriors continued yesterday in game seven. And it saw the greatest regular season, uh, at least, um, you know, all time. When you look at points and wins and everything else, the Boston Bruins had a 3-1 series lead and they lost it. They lost game five, they lost game six, and they lose game seven. And now they will have a long off season to ponder what happened. In terms of action, has there been a single more shocking Sunday in NHL history? It's, I mean, it's got to be up there between the Kraken knocking off the defending champ Avs and the Panthers beating the Bruins and coming from behind to do so in the last minute. After all of that, like to have a chance if you're the Bruins with 59 seconds to play to be able to escape the first round, like where does this rank in terms of the biggest gag jobs in NHL history? It's up there. I mean, I don't know if it's quite number one because I don't know that to your point that you've been making all year about the Panthers, we've properly valued that team like the standings and the points say one thing but on paper there's still a huge chunk of that team that had 122 points last year oh yeah no the panthers the panthers i mean like they've underachieved all year long but they found their game and you know what you i thought you said it well frank the fact that the boston bruins i saw some people all oh, the nhl's got to change the format there's got to be a benefit to finish i can't first. believe people were saying that like give me a break they, they were up three to 43 one. points clear of this team. Yeah. If you three lose, to one it's, series. it's totally on you. Yeah. Like, give me a break. And, and oh, by the way, people who want play-in series, oh, because then the top teams get a rest. Hello, Milwaukee Bucks. The Miami Heat of the NBA finished seventh. They lose the eighth game. Then they beat the Raptors. So guess what? The benefit for finishing first is you actually play the seventh-place team instead of the eighth-place team. You still lost with rest. So throw that stuff out the window. Just win the damn series. Don't make excuses. This isn't minor sports. Oh, well, it's somehow it's got to be more fair. It is fair. 
and you have home ice advantage and you're up three to one, I'm sorry. The Bruins just flat out lost, plain and simple. They did. They they choked it away. And how nervous they looked for a huge chunk of that game before they turned it on in the third. That, you know, th- their coach, Jim Montgomery, acknowledged it <clears throat> in an in-game interview, saying essentially, you know, we've made a lot of uncharacteristic plays. He said, I think that's game seven for you. And, and here's the other question that I, I wonder, and I know Kevin Woodley uh, from uh, Ingo Magazine brought this up a, a while ago. He wonders if eventually teams who rotate goalies in the regular season are going to do the same in the playoffs. If you look I, at all markets, two weeks ago, yeah, 48 starts to 33 starts. And then he goes six in a row, which he really hadn't done all year. And now coming off, maybe, well, he obviously looked injured at the end of the regular season. You wonder, was that a factor at all in the losses in game five and six when he allowed 10 goals? I personally believe Olmark is banged up. I don't know what the Bruins are going to say. If Olmark is hundred percent, I think they start him for the seventh game in a row to close out the series. Not saying that's the right or the wrong call, but this goes back to the point that I made two, three pods ago about rotating goalies and how tandems in the playoffs are the way of the future. I I believe that. To think that you can reel off 20, 23, 25 games in a row, whatever it takes you to get to a cup final and win, I think is crazy. But more to the point, when Olmark seemed to falter a little bit in game two, that was the perfect time to turn to Swayman and get his feet wet early in the series. To go to him for game seven, it's like you're putting all the all the heat, all the weight right on his shoulders. I don't think that's fair to do to one goalie. And I think the loss adds up to way more than just the goalie. I mean, that's that's obvious. But the idea that you're going to not play him for six and play him for seven just – I don't understand the logic in that. Yeah. Well, and you look at the Bruins now. Like in Tampa Bay, when they lost in 2019, Frank, they, they retooled in the, in the next year, and they just brought in some grit guys. They felt that that's what they needed. Boston's older with Krejci and Bergeron. How much more grit do you want? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what Boston, how, you know, they've got 4.5 in, in bonus overages. So, you know, they'll be playing in deficit a little bit. And then you add in the age factor, like, I can see why there'll be a lot of frustration in Boston because I, I don't see how they're going to be able to to come back next year and, and be remotely close to the team they were this year. It was all set up for this year. Like, you can't keep Orlov. If you're going to keep Bertuzzi, you need to trade one of your forwards that makes a, a bit of money because Bertuzzi is going to be expensive. And, God, uh, that guy could play on my team any day. Um, you know – the bonus overages, like the only way Patrice Bergeron can even come back is if he makes a million bucks. Yeah. Is he willing to take the pay cut? And you might say, well, he was this year. And the answer is not really. Like he still made $5 million this year. You just backloaded it and essentially, I don't want to say bent over this next year's team, but you made a clear choice in terms of how you were loading up your roster. So now you can't, really do you could do the same thing again but he's gonna have to take a lower starting number and and on top of that i i don't think david Krejci's coming back i could be wrong like i i think there's a chance bergeron does Krejci really as good as he was this season i think he really slowed down what do you think he did. I thought he was banged up as well um, near the end of the season. He did score a big goal yesterday. But, yeah, and that's why I said, like, I, I do think the speed overall, um, at times Boston looked a little on their heels here. I wonder how much of it was between the years somewhat. But when you look at how many UFAs they have, Frank, and you mentioned Orloff, and so this team is going to, you know, Swayman's got to get a new contract. He's an RFA, but he's still got to get a new contract. So, I, they're the they're the team that you will look back and people will say, well, Tampa rebounded, yeah, and Detroit rebounded. But the difference was Detroit, even in 06, they didn't win until 08, two years later, but they still were competitive, right? I, Boston's just built different. Like this is, so, I don't I don't think we're going to see Boston at the top of the league next season. I think they're a playoff team. But can you get Tyler on here? Maybe he'll eat cat food again. Does he have any declarations to make? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll ask him and buy or sell. I don't know if you tuned up. in for that, by the way, but that is some of the best content I've watched in hockey this year, period. Uh, 
But more the Panthers. What do you what do you make of the? Well, Panthers? I, I was going to say before we move on from the Bruins, and and really, I guess to size up this entire series and the way that it played out. There were some really interesting comments from Carter Verhage after the game, essentially saying, like, yeah, we were the best team in the regular season last year, and what did that count for in the playoffs? Nothing. It's almost like the Panthers found a way to own the idea of, like, the regular season means nothing, and if you want proof, we have it for you. So why should we be afraid going into this team's building? Um, Maybe we just overvalue the regular season like as much of a choke job as this Bruin series was and there's no question that they're the deeper team at every position in every way imaginable and yet they lost and I can't help but think back to like this was a really average team last season that lost in the first round that if you didn't watch the regular season this year, if you're a casual Boston sports fan, and other than knowing the standings, you didn't watch this year and you just showed up in the playoffs and watched, you'd be like, oh, that team lost in the first round for the second year in a row. What's the big deal? I think that's a a way too simplistic way to look at it. But my point is, when you think about the Panthers and then – as we talked about the core that they had that was only strengthened by Matthew Kachuk. And yeah, there were some critical departures in Huberto and Uyghur, but to like, is that team really as bad as the 92 points that they showed? My answer is probably not. And are the Bruins really as good as the 135 that they put up? My answer is probably not. Yeah. I don't, Hey, you know, Boston just got on a roll and, and, you know, momentum's a big thing, but it's funny. Once the playoffs start, everybody's at zero. And now you face the same team day, game in and game out. And, oh, good on Florida. Good on Florida. And what about Sergei Bobrovsky? If you want to have a record-breaking season, just don't face Bobrovsky in the first round because uh, he was the goalie in Columbus. And now he's a goalie in Florida. And uh, now Florida will take on the Maple Leafs. They will meet for the first time. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, the Seattle Kraken have become the first team in NHL history – where their first playoff win comes against the reigning champs. Um, they were only the fifth team ever to face a, a reigning champ for the first time as a series. The other ones all lost, the Blue Jackets, the Capitals, the Hartford Whalers, the New York Americans way back in 1929. And uh, the Kraken broke that. And, uh, you know, they did it on the road. They, uh, they did it without McCann. So... You know what? You can talk about it now. Colorado, I didn't have Colorado going to the cup final this year. I just think their depth and then wasn't as good as last year. But I didn't expect Seattle, man. I give the crack. And this this to me is a bigger upset even than the, the, the Panthers over Boston in my eyes. Like This is monumental for Seattle, and it's full marks for them. Grubauer all of a sudden found his game in the playoffs after struggling in the regular season for basically two years. This is a huge win for Seattle, and their depth was just flat out better. I'm glad you said their depth was flat out better because we don't typically think of series being won on the margins. But when you consider the Kraken and the depth scoring that they got, and then you look at how the Avs fared this series outside of, you know, their top stars in Rantanen and McKinnon, like McCarr obviously missed uh, one game. He was, he was fine, five points in six games, and missing Nachushkin hurt. But, like, look at the rest of these guys that just put up zeros in terms of goals and, and everything else. And then you look at the Kraken, and it's like almost every guy on that team at some, in some way or another, if you were to line the two series scoring leaders up against each other, like – it's absurd to think that the Kraken had 15 different goal scorers. No guy on the team had more than two in the entire series. Schwartz, yeah. Bjorkstrand, and Geeky had two. They had 12 other players on their team to score a goal. That, like, you can't... First off, I don't know that that'll happen again, but that doesn't matter. Um, it, it's to think that that's how you win a series and the way... I just felt like they were the hungrier team. Maybe that's, a, a, again, an overly simplistic way. But to score the first goal in all seven games, that's a mindset. That's not a 
uh, talent thing. That's that's showing up, being ready to play, and taking it to your opponent. That's what that is. And oh. the fact that the Avs got their doors blown off in the first 10 minutes of a, just about every game, it told me which team wanted it more. And, and I think just which team, like the Avs, McKinnon and Rantanen, you know, did their part. Taves and McCarr, their best players produced. If you look at their point totals, you'd be like, hey, they were fine. And and usually that can be enough because you expect your depth guys to do something. But Colorado's depth guys did absolutely nothing. Like Valerie Nichush can play two games and he had a goal. But if you look, uh, Evan Rodriguez, I guess, would be the one um, that you could say, okay, that guy chipped in. But Comfer had one goal, two points. Newhook had one assist in seven games. Ben Myers, Logan O'Connor, Dennis Mulgan, Matt Nieto, Lars Eller, Andrew Cogliano until he broke his neck. Uh, Darren Helm, they combined for zero points. Zero. Not assist, nothing. Like that's, you can't win in the, in the playoffs. Like you need some depth to chip in a little bit, and theirs just didn't. And now, you know, Seattle goes up against um, Dallas. I think that, you know, Dallas is top. Dallas has more depth than Colorado had, no question. And they got Miro Heiskanen, man. Um, we'll get into him a little bit later on. But, you know, full marks to Seattle and Colorado. Frank, uh, like Colorado is different than Boston because of McCarr and McKinnon and Rantanen and Taves. Their core guys aren't old. You know, they're still right in their prime. You know, Nichushkin, you know, whatever happened there, yeah, I assume he'll play next year. So that'll be better. But they're going to they're gonna have to go out and they're going to have to rejig their, their bottom six somehow in, in the offseason. I don't know if they're going to bring them all back. And then th- there's going to have to be some changes there. And I, I also think the one guy who gets moved in Colorado in the offseason – I believe wholeheartedly they're going to deal Sammy Gerard because he's going to help them bring in some forward depth. Yeah, Sam Gerard was number three on my trade targets board last week, the first of the offseason. Tyler, I, I don't know if you can chip in or not, but I was going to say, I think one of our fill-in-the-blank questions from two weeks ago to the day was, what percent chance do either one of us give Colorado to win? I think I said 13%. Or sorry, the the Kraken to win. Yeah, no, none of us were uh, very high on them. I just went back and looked over our brackets on dailyfaceoff.com and uh, none of us had this upset coming. I mean, why would you? Yeah. No. I I like the Kraken. I just... Here's the truth about them is the sum of their parts is better than them individually, which is the mark of a true team. Like the individual pieces and collection of talent on paper is like, especially without McCann is really very average. But the thing is they're really, they don't have many weaknesses. That's the thing. They don't have superstars, but they also don't have weaknesses. What are you hearing on McCann? Is he playing next round? Uh, I haven't heard much. Uh, Seattle is probably not shocking to you. One of the most secretive organizations in the league uh, so it's been like getting blood from a stone, but um, I, I I think there's a chance to see him at some point in the series. Well, uh, that'll be a big one for them. Uh, other teams that it's funny the only home team to win a game, Frank, in the eliminate all the road teams have won. Edmonton finished their series on the road. Toronto finished their series on the road. Seattle, Colorado, Dallas, like it's been amazing uh, so far. Um, Quickly, before we get to the rest, tonight, Game 7, Devils-Rangers. Can the Rangers win on the road, or are the Devils going to close it out? Who do you like to Well, it's been a road series. Um, Tell the I last like the, two games. I like the Rangers. Um, I, first off, in a one-game winner-take-all, I'm taking Shesterkin's team, and that's not to knock Schmid because he's been unbelievable and one of the stories of the playoffs. I also just think – this can work negatively against you. See the Boston Bruins, see the Colorado Avalanche. The Rangers have so much more juice to play for. Like not to say the devils don't want to win or don't think they can win or whatever. This Rangers team with the acquisitions that they made is built to win and has spent a lot to win. This devil's team is really, they're exceeding expectations. They're playing with house money. However you want to phrase it. Um, not many people saw the Devils as a playoff team to begin with this year, let alone finishing second in their division ahead of New York, let alone overcoming a 2-0 series deficit to take a 3-2 lead. 
I picked the Devils in seven to start this series, but I'm going to change my answer and say I think the Rangers win game seven based on the way they bounced back in game six. Ooh, well, I had the Rangers to start the series, so I will stick with the Rangers. But, man, after yesterday's two game sevens, like, that was on, those games were, were great. The, the fact that Florida ties in the final minute, uh, you know, and this is a big, this is the biggest rivalry of, of the three games, no question. The Rangers, Devils, like, their fans are going to be going bananas over each other. I think there's going to be heightened uh, emotion, anxiety in the building, which is awesome. So this is a, this is a perfect Monday night. I can't wait for the game, but uh, I will stick uh, with the Rangers. So now let's let's so, move on. Wait, I wanted to say one thing, a quick plug for, frankly speaking, you're wearing your Sabre shirt. I had GM Kevin Adams on last week, and we were talking about uh, a whole bunch of things related to development. And I was going to say, when you said it, it made me think of your tweet last night. Brendan Montour, holy shit, I think is what you wrote. Uh, <laughs> 59 seconds left, Montour's second of the game, what an unbelievable revelation that guy has been this season. 70-plus points on the back end, sort of out of the clear blue sky. And if you go back to his Anaheim days, obviously a really, really talented player. But I asked Kevin Adams point blank, why did that not work out? And he's, it was his answer was interesting, and, and I encourage you to check out the pod wherever you get yours. But he basically said, sometimes the timing doesn't line up. You know, your organization's going like this. Uh, in a slower you know, way in which you would imagine. And, and he's trying to win and he feels like he's maybe running out of time and maybe doesn't mesh, you know, so to speak, with the coach um, that you end up having to move on. The, the Sabres trade him for a third-round pick. And now you see what Montour has done. Um, I think Montour has been one of the stories of the playoffs. Oh, hey, and the regular season, man. He set the franchise record for most points. He's been excellent, and guess what? You need your guys who lead you in the regular season to lead you in the postseason if you want to win. That's, you know, sure, you might have one guy who comes out of you, John Drews, every now and then. And those are great. But for the most part, the guys who are there, you and you have somebody who might just chip in one big goal, and that guy might have chipped in a big goal in the regular season and just not focused on as much. And Brandon Montour was one of their leaders all year long offensively. And in game seven, he came up massively huge. Like, he can't uh, – I guess the only bigger goal would have been Verhege, but you could argue if Montour doesn't score, then Verhege doesn't get a chance to score. So, depends how you look at it. But So, let's start with that series, Frank. First time ever, the Panthers will face the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs ended their drought of 19 years, and I, I think you, you saw the emotion from players, family, coaches, GMs. You know what? There's, there's a little a lot over the top. Line. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's just a celebration. Uh, to me, there, there was a lot of relief there. When, when you, you've built up for something, and, uh, you know, I saw other teams that, you know, have won last year that were still celebrating pretty big. Like, you saw Florida's bench when they win, um, you know, Edmonton when they won. Winning's fun, man. Winning and is so fun. I guess I, I'm not knocking the Leafs. I'm just thinking, like, watching the press box celebration of the GM, like I've been at, Every cup clincher basically since 2010 with outside the bubble. And I, I, I've seen GMs that win the cup with a lot less of a celebration than the one the Maple Leafs had in their executive box to win one round. Well, you know what? Everybody's emotions different. I'm not, I'm an emotional guy, so I don't mind if someone wants to show some emotion. I think our society, we're all just like, oh, we've got to be so calm and so relaxed. Shut the hell up. I just want to see you guys have fun, man, because yeah. guess what? You can't this win the cup yeah. if you don't win round one. You and it's supposed it's to awesome. be fun. So I, I, I'm with you, but I was also like a couple other, uh, a couple front office G, uh, executives and GMs around the league, just they were a little starky in my text inbox saying, really? Yeah. That's yeah, the celebration? Right. It might be jealousy too, right? Because, Maybe. and hey, guess what? Because I don't act that way doesn't mean someone else doing it is wrong. So um, if some guy wants to be very poised and sit back and maybe internalize and be a small fist pump, but, you know, hey, Dubas had gotten into it with the fans in Tampa Bay. He, I, I think there was a lot of, you know, angst and emotion for that whole organization. So now we'll see how they play because everybody thought, oh, once they win one, but hey, they're taking on the Florida Panthers, who just won three in a row over Boston. By the way, they won their last three games in Boston. They uh, this is this is not going to be an easy series at all. I actually said at the start of the playoffs, Frank, Toronto couldn't have picked a better first round matchup. Tampa Bay this year was a shell of what they were the it's previous few years. Easy to say now. No, but I said at the start. No, I know, but like to to sit here and claim like, oh, I was correct, like. 
Yes, but on technicality, like here's the truth of how that first round series. And look, before all the Leaf fans jump on me and say, "Oh, this guy's a Leaf hater," I the first thing I did this morning, Toronto radio, seven a.m. as I do every Monday, I started out my week by eating a healthy dish of crow, saying that this Maple Leafs team showed me way more heart and belief in themselves than at any point, and. I was always going to pick the Lightning this year, no matter what, even though logically it all made sense to pick the Leafs as the better team because of that, the demon factor, that they hadn't really gotten over it. And in fact, we're kind of one, not kind of, we are one Tampa Bay shot in overtime away from discussing an entirely different Leaf scenario today heading into Game 7, which is choking like dogs. And here's, I guess, my way to round up the entire series, which is the Leafs were the second-rate team in five out of those six games. I believe that to be stone-cold fact. Like, not opinion, but if you go through and you add up all the periods, which was the better team? Well, you thought Tampa was the better team in game six? Uh, Yeah, for a huge chunk of it, yes. I thought the Leafs were incredibly fortunate. And I thought even in overtime, they were not the better team. They scored on a fluke goal off of player skate. I mean, like, again, not taking anything away from them because they won the series full, like, fair and square with the the game-tying goal by Ryan O'Reilly to send it to overtime. And then the Austin Matthews two-goal spree to to spur the – the third period comeback down 4-1. Those were the two games that won them the series, but they weren't the better team in those games. And so in an odd way, everything kind of comes full circle. We talked last pod about the idea of, you know, the Leafs erasing 10 years later, the 4-1 to deficit. Well, it's kind of come full circle in the way that the series played out in that in years past, the Leafs were the better team in the series and did not win and actually played as the better team in the series and did not win. So what Tampa is feeling right now, I think is almost exactly what the Leafs have felt the last number of years, which is we kind of played like the better team and lost. Oh yeah. But here's the thing, Toronto, when they came back from three, nothing were clearly the better team in the third period and Tampa gassed it. So right, they, they choked as bad as the Bruins. And I don't mean in the series. I just mean in games. Yeah. Like, they didn't show up in game one. Toronto was all over them. Uh, Or, sorry, the other way around. Um, But then Toronto, like, game two, I like Toronto's game. Yep. Um, That's the only game I think they clearly won. Yeah. Um, I look at it, the Leafs now, them and Panthers. Like, I know there's lots of people, and, you know, know, this is going to be an easier series. I don't think so at all. Like, Florida is, is, uh, they got some guys. I'm going to be curious to see how Toronto handles the rat and the pest Kachuk because he can get under some team skin more than others. And the thing about the Panthers is they got Barkoff, they got Verhage, they got Ryan, like they've got top end guys who produce. And you mentioned Montour on the back end, Bobrovsky's, yeah, Bobrovsky's been pretty good. I don't think you can argue that in that series, man. He was excellent at times for them. So I think this is going to be a fantastic series. I think it's going to be a long series. I don't know what to make of this series. I really don't. Um, I, I'm curious based on how the Leafs played, like like I was saying, like it's, it's an interesting stylistic matchup. I think the Leafs win this series. I think they win it in six. Um, but I don't I'm I don't really know how it's gonna play out in terms of like these two teams and the way they play going against each other. Because in some ways I feel like Florida plays a game that's in it's somewhat similar to Tampa in the sense that they're very physical. They, they work hard. Uh, there's no easy moments. There's no, you know, easy pucks that they give up. Um, and that I think, you know, it's not to say it's, it's, it's a lot of the same of what Toronto already saw and they were pretty successful at, at it. I think, in no, the I, end, you know, over yeah, the, like the Panthers, it's funny when you go back and you look at teams who, who had a, a really good Raider season the one year and then fail the next. Lots of those teams bounce back. Um, I think this series has got seven games written all over it. Um, so I think it's a seven gamer. And uh, actually, uh, I think I'm going to take Florida. I took the Leafs in round one. 
But um, the Florida Panthers are deep, man. Barkov, Kachuk. Um, I like Florida. Well, I really like Montour. But I, I think I think this is going to be a tougher test for Toronto than Tampa Bay was. And I know that they, Tampa, as you said, in, in certain times in that series were, were dominant. But the only concern I have in Florida is their whole focus was, you know, everybody's counting us out. Everybody's counting us out. Not everybody's going to count them out in this series yeah. at all. It's not Toronto. Yeah, they're the clear underdog, though, again. Yeah, but as not like not to that extent. No one's discounting them now is yeah. the point. So, but, I, so I, I'm, I'm intrigued by your pick because I, I, my question is, tell me what place, and this is what I was asking myself this morning, tell me what place the Panthers have an advantage over the Leafs in. It's really not in goal. I think if anything, it's a toss up. It's definitely not on the blue line. Cause as much as I don't like Toronto's defense, I really don't like Florida's outside of no. Montour and Ekblad. That's yeah, the Gusto's forwarding is a solid defense, but no one ever talks about. It. Yeah. I, I, but I just think they, maybe their top four is fine, but I, yeah. I I'd say like, again, so at the very best case, you're calling it a washout. Yeah, right. that's why I said it's seven games. I just think, you know what, Florida gets a bounce. Is basically and their forward group, like, aren't you picking Toronto every time? Um, I don't know, man. You look at Carter Verhage, Kachuk, Barkoff, Reinhardt up against Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares. It's pretty, they're different styles, right? Barkoff's clearly the best two-way of, of all of them, right? Matthews, the better shooter. Um, Kachuk is is the, the grittiest skill guy. Marner's the best playmaker. So I think they're, they've all got different skill sets that, that kind of balance each other out. It's, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup head-to-head. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I just, I don't, the intangibles aspect of it is also where I struggle because as much as you were, the point you were making is true about the Panthers and you know, sort of the underdog card is, it's not as valid anymore. The same is true in the sense that the Leafs have now slayed this dragon. And see, when I watch those celebrations and I watch that city erupt and I watch all the different things around it, it feels to me like everyone's satisfied now. And I know the players said all the right things. I think that's what they have to guard against is like, hey, this season is a success no matter when it ends now. And I've been saying, you've heard me say this a million times, if you win one round and you are satisfied, you've lost the plot. That's what I think the Leafs have to guard against is that there was this huge emotional buildup to winning round one that it's, I think it's going to suck a lot of life out of them. Yeah, and then conversely, I, I wonder about Florida having the uh, oh, we slayed the dragon factor. You know, Florida's going to have to probably look like Columbus wasn't able to do it in 2019 after the big round win, but Edmonton took that and ran all the way to the cup in 06 after they knocked off Detroit and they had like a 28 point deficit or whatever separation points. So, you know, one team did it, one team didn't. Uh, I just think the disappointment of Florida last year, Frank, sticks with them. And I think both of these teams um, have had a lot of pain that they've endured in the last few years. So I think they're equally charged up to win. That's why I think it's a seven gamer. I don't think like it's almost a coin flip for me. And so I have to pick somebody. So I pick Florida. Hmm. Now, do you think that whoever wins the Rangers devil series beats the Canes? I do. Yes. I'm going to say that whoever wins universally, everyone sees it that way. Yes. Um, Is that short-sighted? I, I see it that way, but I'm like, um, are we discounting Carolina? Uh, I don't, my, my thing with the Canes, the Islanders couldn't score to save their life. And that was proven, right? Um, the power play is terrible. The Rangers power play isn't terrible. Carolina is just, they don't have the depth. I, I, because of injuries, they're healthy, different story, but they're, they're, they, I just think come when push comes to shove, New York and New Jersey are deeper and more skilled teams than the Islanders are. And the Islanders gave Carolina probably more of a run than you would expect. So that's why I'm picking the Rangers or Devils. Whoever wins game seven is winning that. I think they'll lose game one because they might be fatigued, but they'll win the series. So it's interesting because the Devils, like, have really struggled to score, too. Yeah. So if it's Devils and Kings, yeah, that and they have 13 total in six games. And as you said, four of them um, are on the power play. Yeah. So – 
Devils can't score. Canes can't score. Is there that? I guess there's a firepower advantage in the Devils. There's probably not an advantage for the Devils in net. It's probably a wash. And defensively, the Canes get the edge, right? It's oh, yeah. Be a, it would be a close series. Defense. I think the Rangers would have a much easier time with the Canes just on a scoring basis. Yes. But then again, they haven't dusted the Devils either because they had a couple nights where they couldn't score. Yeah. So oh, they went three games, they had two goals. So, so I mean, what, like, is it, I guess my question is, is it foolish to count out and just immediately say, which I think everyone universally in hockey has said, whoever beats the, whoever wins from Rangers or Devils wins the, wins the next round. Yeah. So that's just how I see it. Um, you know, Carolina, I think if, if they're, if you have Svechnikov and you have Taravina, well, now we're having a different conversation. But uh, without those two, I, I don't know if you can win with that low score. And maybe they can, but I just think the Rangers or the Devils, specifically the Rangers. I, You know, the Devils, if you're Carolina, I think you'd rather play the Devils. I, I think that that series would go longer if it's the Rangers. I agree. I think the Rangers will win uh, in a shorter period of time. I'm, I'm wondering, though, if we see a Patrick Kane sighting tonight in Game 7 for the New York, because they, they would definitely like that. Uh, now let's go out west, uh, Dallas, Seattle. Um, I love the Kraken against Colorado, but Dallas right now is a deeper team than Colorado is. And Miro Heiskanen, Frank, um, more people will watch him. This guy was unreal in the opening round. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, he basically shut down Kirill Kaprizov. And I know that Seattle doesn't have one top-end guy, but who's ever out there against Heiskanen is going to get neutered. Um, I'm going to take oh. Dallas in five. Uh, wow, five. It's aggressive for a Kraken team that backed down to no one. Um, I, I agree. I think the Stars are really good. I had the Stars coming out of the second round anyway, like before all this started. Um, yeah, I, it's a tough one. I'm going to say Stars in six. Maybe not all that different than you, but okay. I'd give the Kraken a little more juice. Yeah. Like Jake Ottinger is excellent. You know, Heisken, their, their top-end guys are scoring in Dallas. Like, there's not really a big weakness there right now. They look – Dallas looks formidable. They are and they've gotten be, a couple days of rest. Yes. And Pavelski, that probably means he's going to be back. Yes. so I would think. Big emotional it? lift for them, big skill lift for them. So, yeah, I like the, uh, I like the stars. Uh, and that leaves us uh, Edmonton and Vegas. Um, the Edmonton Orders uh, beat the LA Kings last year was seven. This year was six. Uh, Vegas gets by Winnipeg. We'll get to Rick Bonus in a second. Yeah. Um, but uh, what do you what do you make of the Orders in Vegas? I like the Oilers. I will say, however, that I think this Vegas team is vastly different than when they have Mark Stone than when they don't. Very I true. think he he transforms their entire team, and I. I wasn't surprised, but I was really impressed how quickly he got up to speed. Um, the orders, you know what? Uh, they have matched up very well against Vegas for two years with two different coaches. They're 7-0-1 in the regular season. Um, Edmonton, I've, since January 9th, the last half of the year, you know they were right with Boston in the regular season. Uh, you look at their power play, and here's a, just look at special teams heading into this series. Vegas's power play wasn't great against Winnipeg. Now, the Orders' penalty kill isn't great either against L.A., but L.A. was a top-five power play. The Orders' power play just set a record for the best ever in a series at 56%, and, and that's without them getting a ton of, of uh, power plays either. I just – that's a massive mismatch. I don't know how anybody can really slow down their power play. It might not be 56%, but even if it's down to 33%, it's still a huge weapon. And Edmonton's depth scorers – did what they did all year. They produced clean cost and three goals. Mm -hmm. uh, you had Kyler Yamamoto. Like the orders in game six when they clinched, no one even really talked about McDavid and Dreisaitl, even though they each had, um, you know, points in that game. It wasn't, it wasn't even really a storyline because the Stuart Skinner broken stick, which was very weird. Yep. But then clean cost and Yamamoto. How did he not power. notice that, by the way? I don't know. No idea. 
Um, but Clem Costin, two point three points. DeHarnay, two points. McLeod, two points. Yamamoto, like their depth guys. Nick Bukestad had a two goal game earlier. That's the difference with Edmonton this year. That I still find some people who don't watch the orders. They still, oh, they're just a two man team. They're not. Not even close. Right? Like the orders. The orders, arguably, I think might. Ha- I think they have the most depth, one through uh, eleven, and they might get Matthias Janmark back for game one. So twelve, and that's that's a hard thing, especially when that includes having the top two scores. I think that's the scariest part for the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't think they're going to be anywhere close to doing as good a job as LA at containing McDavid. It feels like they're going to try and get into a track meet. Um, Is their only way to succeed? Maybe they they take the horses. I don't think they have the horses. Maybe they try and take a page from LA's playbook. I just don't think anyone has the, uh, pieces that LA has to be able to throw at Edmonton like they did with Deneau and then Kopitar and, and they 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 have the horses to play that style. Vegas doesn't. Who's their shutdown guy? Yes, I, and I think that's the scariest part for for the the Vegas Golden Knights. They're gonna have a tough time. Like McDavid, he was. No one's knocking him, not taking anything away from him. He was fine. He wasn't otherworldly in round one, and the Oilers still won. Leon Dreisaitl was excellent. he was He was ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, and he has been ridiculous. Like, Dreisaitl right now in NHL history, guys who have played 40-plus games has the second-highest points per game behind only Gretzky. He's higher than Lemieux right now. Like, he just that, – that's a two-headed monster that's really hard to stop. And, you know, they get Matias Janmark back, who loves Matias. Anybody who watched in the regular season, when he plays Dallas or Vegas, the guy's an all-star. So he just, he's one of those players that really gets jazzed up for his former team. So, and, uh, you know, he's a reliable player, so it gives him more depth. Um, I'm actually taking Edmonton in five, Frank. I really don't. I think Edmonton, this is an ideal matchup for them based on style. I'm going to say Edmonton in six. And by the way, McDavid still would have led the Kings in scoring in that series with 10 points. Oh, yeah. Which is funny to think about. Yeah. Now he just didn't. Game, he didn't dominate in a way that he we're we're accustomed to seeing. Does that is that fair to say? Yeah, and he's a bit banged up. He's got a leg injury. We saw it. You know what? Um, now the days off. They had three days off between games. Uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They'll play on Wednesdays, so that'll help him. Like it helps everybody. But guys who are nicked up, that extra rest can make a big difference. And um, you know, I won't be surprised. McDavid, you're right, Frank. The Orders won that series. McDavid had 10 points, which is still 10 and 6. You take that all playoffs, you'll like it. But he didn't have a game where he absolutely took over, and that's the scary part for the opposing teams because eventually it's coming. I would think so, unless what we're seeing this year is the opposite of what we saw last year, which was Dreisaitl essentially playing on one leg. Now it's McDavid. Yeah, and maybe, but even when Drysaddle did that, he finished with two points. So per game, two points 32. a game. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, so um, now the Kings and the Jets. Let's go to the Jets and uh, Rick Bonus ripping his team right afterwards. Then the players coming back out, the, you know, and saying, "Hey, we didn't really like it." There's clearly, as you know, his GM came out, and other than saying Rick Bonus is going to be back, he spoke for 45 minutes and didn't say a lot. Uh, what do you make of the Jets? I felt like the Jets players were essentially telling on themselves this weekend. We didn't like it that the coach was critical of us. Well, all he did was say exactly what everyone else thought, which is you guys absolutely rolled over in the series. And I understand the injury factor. Missing Josh Morrissey is huge. They played a chunk of the series without Mark Shifley and Nick Ehlers, and I get it. That matters. But I don't think anything that Rick Bonus said in the heat of the moment, even with the emotion, was wrong. There's a reason why they're on their third coach in three years, in two years, if you include Dave Lowry. It's because no one's been able to get through to that group and get anything, any different of a result out of them. I put all that firmly on the players. Firmly on a group that's been there a long time. Like, they first went on a deep run in 2018. It's 2023. The fact that they're a playoff team again was commendable. But I don't think anyone legitimately sees the Winnipeg Jets moving forward as a contender. 
Well, you heard Hellebuck, right? Like his comments, man. Dubois already said he's not signing long term. Like, yeah, they say that was overblown. Okay, well, but, but I, I don't. I'm not saying it's wrong, and I'm not saying he'll be back. I'm just that that was the refrain was this is overblown. Yeah, I just I wonder. I think there's going to be significant change in Winnipeg. I How could there not be? They need to yeah. blow it up. Yeah. So to, kinda... to bring back the same group one more time with everyone in the final year of their deal, Wheeler, Shifley, and Hellebuck. And what? Dubois. And, no, Dubois and pending yeah, on. Yeah, but he head. would only. He already said he wouldn't sign long term, right? So if he signs, it's going to be a. One he doesn't year. have to sign at all. He Five could do time. what Matthew Kachuk did last year and say, "I'm not signing here." Period. Right, I guess. Yeah. I mean, what? Like, nothing would stop that. I, I just does. I think the question, the first and most important question is, what's the deal with Hellebuck? Does he want to be there? And then I think you take it from there. Because if yeah. he does, and you're going to keep him, and I'm not arguing one way or the other, because I think there's interesting cases for keeping him and trading him. You can't really bottom out or change it up. And not even to say that that team wants to bottom out. I don't even think they're capable of bottoming out so long as they have Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. Well, what's the first thing you would do? Well, yeah, you want to talk to Hellebuck for sure. But um, I, I think the first thing I do is I'm trading Shifley. I guess the first thing I do, because I think there's going to there's gonna be lots of interest. And then the, the next one is, how do you find a way? Like, what do you do with Blake Wheeler? Like, he's got $8 million left. Like, that's a tough contract. Maybe a team like Blake Wheeler at $4 million still has lots of value, I would think. So but The our- Jets weren't willing to retain salary last summer. They told teams, you know what? This guy is the perfect piece for your playoff, you know, contending team. He's the missing piece. That, that was their pitch to teams that inquired about him. Yeah, wow. Well. They won't be able to, they won't be able to use that, I would think, this year. So still a good player, right? But they're gonna have to retain some salary or take back a bad contract that's expiring as well. One of the two, which is the same thing, right? So what do you make of a lot of people have been saying, and I've seen the the criticism and complaints, and I don't know what to make of it myself, that if you look at the Jets over these last eleven years or whatever it's been since they've been in Winnipeg. They have three playoff series wins to show for what's been a really successful regular season team. They've had the same leadership core, meaning hockey ops. Do you think there's a need for a fresh voice? Like the thing about the Jets that was unfortunate was when they had the really good defense core, their forwards weren't that established yet. Right. Like Kyle Connor wasn't Kyle Connor yet. And so they had good, but they didn't have enough good forwards. And then when they got a really good forwards, Bufflin was gone. Tobias Anstrom was gone. Truba was gone. And their defense wasn't the same. All right. So they've never really had all of it together. If you but look the whole say, time, they had a Vezina caliber goalie who, by the way, wasn't very good last round. Yeah, it was. And yeah, that happens for goalies. Like I'll still take Hellebuck on my team any day. Um, I'm, and then you have their owner, Frank, coming out. They've got a season ticket drive there. Like there's, and their owner is like being surprisingly quiet throughout all of this. That to me is what's a bit surprising. Is, I haven't heard him. I think he's a huge like, Kevin Sheveldayoff supporter, and I get it. I'm not advocating. I'm just asking. Like, is it? Is it? T- I think that I think you need to ask that question about a, a few teams. Is it oh, fair yeah. to have the conversation? What is? What is the path here? What is the plan? And how do we go about achieving that? I think the New York Islanders have huge questions to ask. Yeah. yeah. How does that team get back to a path of, of competition? How do they be competitive? I, I personally don't see it. Well, they've got to change their, they've got to change you. The NHL nowadays, Frank, if you can't score, you can't compete. Yeah. You got to be able to defend, but you have to be able to score. The Islanders can't score. That many able score for a while. And I think their organizational philosophy is they think still in 2023 or four, oh, we're going to have an elite goalie and we're going to win low scoring games. Doesn't work. Their power play is embarrassing. So get some better power play players and they're going to have to get some more offensive minded players in Long Island. They don't have a chance to compete. They might be able to squeak into the playoffs, but that's all they'll do. So isn't, isn't that the definition of mediocrity and what to avoid? hundred percent. Yeah. So how many teams can you? I mean, the the 
the Nashville Predators finally ripped the Band-Aid off this year. Yep. And I think the Islanders, and is their GM. But they just quadrupled down trading for Bo Horvat and giving him a massive contract extension. That's my point. Right? Is He's their seen GM. this team one way and through one set of glasses only. Yeah, that's their problem. Lou sure. Lamarillo, I don't believe that Lou Lamarillo's approach to the game offensively is going to be successful moving forward. They're old and slow <laughs> and contractually committed. Yeah, it's terrible. Like that's why it's it's hard for you have a new GM come in there. He's gonna have to be a wizard. Gonna have to be a wizard. No I, quick I, fix. I, there. I just I don't see a quick fix. So do you just do you play out the string? Like what do you do? You don't have much choice. That's the problem, right? Winnipeg like, is meeting the same crossroads. Yeah, They're well, going to be just good enough to be a, a, a seven or eight seed and just bad enough to be as bad as 12th in their conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I know it sucks for Islander fans, but especially when you have Buffalo and Ottawa, Detroit coming, I think it's really tough for the Islanders. When do they make it again? Could be a while. It's a historically low bar. Like, to get in with 92 points hasn't happened since 2013. Huh. That's not happening next year. I'll be stunned. Because, A, there's just going to be more points for other teams, Frank, because Boston's not having 135 points. Math. Right? So they just take 20 points right there. And even let's just say that 14 of them are in the East. That's going to be spread around differently. So uh, what about the LA Kings? Like, um, You know what? They faced the Edmonton owners who... I just think they're a bad matchup for him. The orders have figured them out. LA is a good team. Like they, you know, Kevin Fiala being hurt, obviously it, it limited them in that series. Like, I wonder where they go moving forward. Um, I think the orders figured out Corpus Allo the longer the series went. That's going to be their challenges. Can they find a better goaltender? Yeah, goaltending is going to be big. That Cal Peterson contract looms really large. Like having that much buried cap. Um, is problematic. So they really need to find a way to dump that contract this summer. I don't know if they're going to be successful or not. And they, the next big question for them, I think they've got their forward group figured out, and I think it's a really good one. I love some of the pieces that they have. Like Alex Iafalo, he's a guy that can play on my team any day of the week. Adrian Kempe, dude. Yep. I love that guy. Like yep. he is so he's great release. He's physical. He can skate. And he's a he's probably maybe the one the most least talked about forty goal scorer in the league. I agree, and I would say so. They, they've got a really good thing going with their forward group. They need to figure out their defense, and they need to have everyone properly slotted based on hand or, or how they shoot. They have way too many right shot defensemen, and I, that's a it's a just odd. It's a great problem to have. Because teams are always looking for right shot defensemen, but they have to trade Sean Walker this summer. Oh, yes. I would agree. Sean Walker, they probably need to trade another one, too. Like, they just have too many right shot D. Sean Dursey plays on the left side. Jordan Spence is a right shot guy that's ready to go. Like, these, there's, there's players coming on their back end. You know, Brant Clark is knocking on the door, another right shot guy. They, they have to make room, and I'd be very surprised if they're not one of the most active teams on the D market this summer. A- aside from the goalies, that's their big challenge. Yeah, I would agree. They need, and they it's need a good to problem to have. Like Again, I think the Kings, you know, maybe we said this last summer of their competitive window is just opening. I think last year they probably arrived one year ahead of schedule. This year – was the start, and I think what they're able to do moving forward now, um, they've got one more season of Kopitar at ten million bucks, and then things really start to get interesting. Yeah, like I look at LA, and honestly, I think LA have they matched up against Vegas or or, or Seattle or or Winnipeg, whoever. I think they, they we'd be talking about the Kings in the second round against Edmonton. I just think Edmonton was a tough matchup for them. And, and the L.A., I agree with you. They need left defense, Frank, which is which is odd because most teams are always looking for right D. And I think that could be a benefit for Rob Blake in the offseason. So I expect them to make moves. The final team we didn't talk about that uh, ended their season was the Minnesota Wild. And, you know, with their dead cap space, I, I thought 
the wild got most out of things. The Gustafson trade worked out very well for them. Um, they kind of just keep pushing forward. Do you see any significant changes other than Matt Dumba leaving Minnesota? Um, not real significant. Like they're pretty lean as it is. And they're pretty well positioned for next year. Like they've signed the guys that they need to that dead cap money, uh, bumps up a bit. Um, it goes from 12, seven to 14, seven. The fact that they were able to be as competitive as they are, I think a lot of people when they executed those buyouts were like, Hey, just get through those years and get to the other side. Like there's still a very competitive team and a good team. Um, I think their decor needs a little surgery. And I, I know that they don't seem very concerned about it. I think they need more help down the middle. I don't think what they have down the middle is a recipe is a championship pedigree center core. Yeah, that's fair. Teams are built down the middle, the wild. They've got nice pieces. Um, like I, I'm a huge fan of Joel Erickson Eck and his game. I like Ryan Hartman, um, but they, they need more. Yeah. Like they really missed Joel Erickson Eck. He only played 19 seconds in the whole series, right? Like that. Where did Kirill Kaprizov go? Well, I, dude, I told you Miro Heiskanen say hello because Heiskanen was matched up heavily against him. And man, he did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal. Kaprizov and Boldy. They disappeared. Yeah, yeah, Boldy no goals at three points, and you know, that happens. Scored seventy one in the regular season, and they combined for one in the playoffs. Hey, that's we talked about off the top, Frank. If you want to win, the vast majority of the time, you need your your best guys to to be to whoever led you in the regular season has to be your leaders. Your other guys got to contribute. Freddie Gaudreau scored three goals in that series for them. That's good, but you're right when Boldy and Kaprizov, and and that's why Ottinger. And Heiskanen. That's why I'm telling Seattle fans, be prepared. Miro Heiskanen didn't get a lot of talk, but if you go back and you watch those games and then you look at the matchup, it was a thrashing in how good he did defending Minnesota's top line. So I get nervous asking this question because I don't like the feeling, but did you and I agree on three of the four series or four of the four series? Well, we, we both have Edmonton. Um, we disagreed on Toronto and Florida. Uh, we both have Dallas. And yeah, we th- yeah, and then we both picked uh, whoever wins New York, uh, oh, Carolina. Yeah, three scary. out of four. Yeah, it's a lot of time. You're getting smarter, buddy. I love. I it. was gonna say if you and I are agreeing, uh, we better uh, better check and make sure the sun's coming up tomorrow. Well, let's bring in Tyler Ramchuk for buy or sell. That'll have us disagree. Yeah, sure. I'll try to uh, make just you guys throw in disagree. Eric Carlson. We'll be good. Yeah, that's just my that's my safety net. Whenever I feel like the pot isn't spicy enough, uh, I'll start with this though. Courtesy of Batano.ca, the updated Stanley Cup odds as of this morning. They have the Toronto Maple Leafs as the number one team, plus three fifty, so three and a half to one to win the Stanley Cup. They're followed by the Oilers, closely behind, plus three seventy five. The Stars at plus six hundred. The Golden Knights are six to one as well. Canes at seven to one, Panthers ten to one, Kraken eleven to one, Devils twelve to one, Rangers fourteen to one. One of those jump off the page, do you, Frank? The stars at six to one. Mm, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't like betting on the Stanley. I don't. I haven't really bet at all anyway. But I don't like any of these odds because I think for the randomness of it all, to think that you're only getting six to one or three and a half to one, it just. It doesn't suit to me all the things that could go wrong and what needs to happen in order to get there that I don't think this is an attractive play by any stretch. Mm-hmm. We got to win three rounds and you know, you, you, the favorite you only get now, three to one, like yeah, three to one. What are, what are the odds for the Oilers to even win next round? So that's the interesting part, right? Is why take that when the Oilers are minus 140 to beat the Golden Knights in this round? You could. Like, think about the math required, like, to compute yourself to then take the Oilers to win the cup. Like, it's doesn't make any sense. Makes more sense to just bet. And, like, the second round's a little bit hairier, but I always say in the first round, at some point a team's going to run into a good matchup. Just bet them to win the round and keep rolling it over, and you usually get better odds. Jay? Well, I, the one that stands out to me um, is that, yeah, you're like Toronto's three to one, and I don't see him as that clear of a favorite. Yeah. So that, that odds actually surprised me. Like Toronto's good. They're not that good. Um, I, I don't have them as a heavy favorite over Florida, even. And that's no knock on Toronto. I just don't think that um, 
the they're the uh, the heavy favorite. Now, you know, I've seen some other places who has different odds. Um, what 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 it would be unbelievable though. Um, now I know uh, American TV might hate it, but Toronto and Edmonton in the Stanley Cup final would, uh, would you know Toronto's a huge you know they got the biggest fan base. Um, Edmonton has the two best players. They got a pretty diehard fan base as well. Um, it would uh, it, there'd be a lot of fans that would be rooting because they hate one of those other teams, which is fine to me. You need villains. You know Matthew Kachuk's a good villain. Um, the Leafs organization is a good villain. So, you know, people will have to, I see people like, oh my God, I don't even know who I want to pick in that one. That's great for hockey. I, th- I think it's good to have teams that, that other fan bases dislike. It keeps them interested. 100%. All right, let's get in. I got three buy or sell questions for you guys, starting with the Winnipeg Jets. You just dug into things a little bit. I'm going to say they move at least three big pieces off their roster this summer. Buy or sell, Frank? At least three. So if you're setting the over under at Three, I'm taking the under. Two and a half. You're taking the under? Yeah, I think they move a couple of them. I don't think there's that much wholesale change. Okay. Well, three's and, hard. Right? Yeah. Big trade. So I'll take under as well. I, I think two for sure are going during the now before the season starts. Yeah. Could see another one during the season. But before October first, I'll say two big pieces are moved. You guys talked about the Avs potentially moving a guy like Sam Girard, free up some cap flexibility. I'm going to say they add one of the big-name forwards on Frank's trade targets list, maybe a guy like Kevin Hayes or something like that. Avs adding a big-name forward this offseason. Jay, you buying or selling? I'm going to sell because I think the Avs need to add multiple depth guys. And uh, I think Sammy Girard is, uh, you know, it's funny, Frank, uh, you talked about left D for uh, the L.A. Kings. Um, you know, Sammy Gerard would, would work well for that team, but I'm going to say that the abs, they're going to be looking for, um, a little bit of quantity here just because their depth was so lacking this year that they need more than just one guy. Agreed. Uh, they don't have the money to add a big name piece. Even if the flyers are retaining salary, the reason they have to trade Gerard is they don't have the coin to keep him. Uh, they have essentially, I have to go back and double check my numbers, but a bunch of teams like the uh, Lightning, the Avs, and the Bruins are all in very similar spots in that they have like somewhere between seven and nine roster spots to fill out and only really have somewhere between 10 and 13 million bucks to do it. I think the only thing they can do is add depth pieces. And to your point, maybe that's exactly what they need anyway. Fair enough. You mentioned potential off-season surgery on the blue line in Minnesota. Uh, They have two UFAs there, Matt Dumba and John Klingberg. I'm going to say they both walk. Frank, buy or sell on Klingberg and Dumba both walking? I would bet my house on it. (laughs) Fair enough. Unless like Klingberg's like, hey, I'll sign for a million bucks, which I don't know why he would. I, even then, I don't even know why they would. Yeah. Like, I look, you know, Spurgeon and Brodeen, like, Minnesota's back in. Dumba's not that old, and I know he's healthy scratch, so it, it does seem like that relationship has reached a, you know, the, a point where they're, they're going to separate. But if one of them's coming back, I actually think Dumba might have a better chance to come back. Um, I'm very fascinated about Klingberg, um, you know, where he's going to go and will it, will a team give him a multi-year deal even like not a long-term deal, but you know, even a multi-year deal, like he played okay for Minnesota, but he didn't, he didn't bounce back and, and really stand out. So like you look at from where, where he was last year at this time till now, a lot has changed for him. And you know, if you're John Klingberg and you believe in yourself, he might be better off to take a one-year deal Again? on a competitive team. Oh, run it back. Uh, Right, like again, one, he already did that one time. No, 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 Frank. On a he, competitive team. Yeah, on a competitive team, and, and not a big like. No one's giving him seven mil. Like I shouldn't say no one. I'd be surprised. On a. Are you saying that Anaheim Ducks aren't competitive? Yeah, on a <laughs> competitive team. Me? I think John Klingberg might have to sign for three and a half or four million dollars, and just be like, you know what, I got to show I can play again, and and be worth that for a team. Fair enough. All right, that is a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell. Though, it'll be uh, it's going to be interesting. There's there's lots. There's no big name free agents this year, Frank. You, you know we we've you had. But it's the year of depth guys. Yeah. This is this is the year to to go on a a spending of bargoons, and that's what you need. You know that's. 
the teams and the advantage will be for teams who have their main guys. And you can, you know, cause it's true. I always say that go shopping on July 3rd, your, your chance of getting value in, in point per salary is much higher for a lot of players. Guaranteed. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't think, I think the draft is going to be much spicier than free agency this year, Frank. I, I think mean, leading up to the yeah, draft, there'll be some deals. Trade, and deal. yeah. Should yep. be. Plus, it's in Nashville. So, uh, you know, there'll be lots of fun. Prep your liver. Got to hydrate. All right. Ranger Devils fans, enjoy it. Uh, we will set up and uh, we'll know who's it playing when. Uh, we know that what, what they're playing. They're playing Carolina. We know when they're playing, which, of course, is going to be on Wednesday. We just don't know who it is or where it is. Well, it's in Carolina. All we just don't know is um, who's going to be going there. The Rangers or the Devils. Frank and I both picked the Rangers. So take that for whatever it means. Have yourself a, a good week, and we will chat with you later. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.